Toss a coin to your witcher. Of course it was going to start that way. Yeah. Is that song what no one can get out their heads? Yep. I've not heard it. That's from the table with a lid. I've, I've seen a lot of it of that song going around my circles. I think it's because I follow so many freelancers on Twitter. Everyone's just like, oh, that's the freelancer song. Pay your freelancers. It, yeah, that's what it's a song about paying your freelancers. Oh, Valley of Plenty. It's it's a it's a what the kids call a banger. When I was a kid, a banger was a sausage and also one half of the cartoon ape duo, Bangers and Mash. Oh, Bangers and Mash! Yeah, I recently rewatched it to make sure I wasn't hallucinating it. See, you've, you've mentioned that and then that's taken me onto a slightly different train of thought and I'm now thinking of Bodger and Badger. Oh, Bodger and Badger. Bodger and Badger liked Bangers and Mash, I think. Yeah, I play... You know, he liked Mashed Potato. Er, oh, he liked Mashed Potato. The song yeah. would go, everybody knows... Bodger loves mashed potato. Something, 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 something. Bodger and badger. Bodger and badger. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. And that was the song. Yeah. If you're from the UK, that means something to you. Otherwise, <laughs> like, strap yourselves in, wait for all the bollocks to be over, and then we'll tell you whether or not 2019 was great or perfect. Yeah, you've just described my experience being on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See, we, we took a week off from the show, so it's me and Jim's responsibility to make the, the you know, we're back, time to make it indecipherable for half of the audience again. Yeah, it's it's alienate as many people as we, we possibly could in one go. It's going to be worse than usual as well, because my doctor's advice was literally smoke it if you've got it vis-a-vis <laughs> dealing with like the, cu- the discomfort from an injury so i took that advice and now i'm drinking tropicana straight out the bottle a big one and all and by that you mean smoke uh, your regular regular normal cigarettes of course oh yeah help healthful cigarettes with their healthful regular cigarettes their rich rustic flavors and smooth <laughs> tones mm, i'm drinking tropicana out of a bottle it's the big one it's original no pulp though so you're all right don't worry about that as we go you know all things go in cycles we're coming into the 20s so yeah cigarettes are good for you again yeah i'll tell you what happens oh. i've got the dishwasher running yeah and i put i put all of my drinking glasses in it mm. so i'm like I don't want to get a dry mouth mm. when I'm on podquisition. Well, that's that's a no-go. You do not want to have a dry mouth. I, I don't want people to think that I, I drink out of big bottles of Tropicana as a matter of course. <laughs> I don't do that. I don't like drinking milk out of a carton, even though people do it on the television all the time. You mucky get. What if you backwash it? Don't backwash the milk, you mucky get. Anyway, The Witcher on Netflix is good. I, I I started giving it a watch and, you know, it's it's not super gripped me, but I'm finding it enjoyable enough so far. I think the main problem is, is if you don't, if, you, if you've not got even a passing knowledge of the source material, yeah. it can be a bit dense and indecipherable until they start talking about video games. I, I described this podcast accidentally. Keeps happening. <laughs> Keeps happening. Okay. What, uh, all right, what... What passes for a passing knowledge of The Witcher? Um, have you played one of the games or not? I, I, I played Witcher 2 for about two hours. Do you remember any of the characters? And I don't remember it. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. Basically, I was able to keep track of who the characters and the territories and like the kingdoms and stuff were. Like I could keep, I could keep track of names because I fairly recently been replaying The Witcher 3. And you'd heard the names before, yeah. Yes. Yeah. See, honestly, I think it suffers from the same issue that Game of Thrones did, in which 
if you're not already familiar with the names of all of the varying factions and too many characters that get introduced and sort of referenced without really being on screen half the time, it's maybe going to be useful to just not... Don't be afraid to pause and double-check a wiki to go, uh, who the fuck was that they were on about? That Oh, okay, okay that one. Yeah. Every now and then. Because, yeah. like, doing doing that early and often will ensure that you don't just get further down the rabbit hole of the fuck are you on about. Yeah, and and I think I benefited from hearing beforehand that there were the time skips. Um, yes. I tweeted about watching it. It does not make that clear. Yeah, I tweeted <laughs> about watching it um, when I was like two or three episodes deep. Um, probably like around about two, episode two. And then someone replied with, the time skips are weird though. And I'm like, what? There are time skips? And then I sat there, like, with a furrowed brow, like, when is this? When is this? But at least I was thinking, when is this, instead of what the fuck? Yes. Which is what some people would feel. Um, knowing it's there helps. It's still a little inscrutable. And then, as many people have said, by episode four, it actually clicks. Um, and from then on, it's fairly straightforward. But it's an odd thing they did to not tell. I think maybe they were trying to... They wanted it to unfurl, and you'd be like, oh, holy shit, this is a big twist. Like what they did with the last Saw film, Jigsaw. Mm. Problem is, the last Saw film, Jigsaw, was bad. Yeah. By Saw film standards. Like, I love them all, but they are bad, most of them. Uh, same with Dynasty Warriors. Um, Jigsaw was to Saw what Dynasty Warriors 9 was to Dynasty Warriors. And the problem with those time skips is you can be clever about it, you can be like Tarantino about it or something, but if you're if you don't do it right, it will confuse people. But mm. the show is carried by the brilliant performances that even when I was thrown for a loop, I was still enjoying what I was seeing, which is where it made up for it. So I think by season two, once they cut that shit out um, with the, the, you know, knock it off with the time skips, I think it's going to turn into like a really good show. It's got that, a few people have said this, it's got that Xena... Hercules vibe to it. Yeah, mm. I can get in. I can get behind that. Get, now that was really like pulpy B kind of. I mean, it had that Sam Raimi sensibility before people really understood what that meant. Unlike this bottle of Tropicana, this ain't pulpy at all. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, it was it was a show that like if you gave it a chance, if you were willing to just sort of roll with it, it would eventually pull you in, because the characters were really good, and it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. The the feel I get with this is it has a similar sort of... There is something really endearing about this, if you can get through the early start, but it's less... You've got to get over the pulp, and it's more you've got to get over the... Just... It, it jumps right in and do it doesn't try and ease you in in any way. Mm -hmm. yeah. You've got to get over that hurdle, but once you do, there definitely seems to be a really quite endearing show under it. Yeah, like 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 those nineties shows. Like it's it gets a little bit hokey at times, but enjoyably so. Yeah, and the characters are just fun to watch. And Henry Cavill, like has already said, is a big fan of the games, and you can tell every second he's on screen. Cavill is thinking to himself, I'm fucking goddamn Geralt of Rivia. Look at me, everyone. He seems to be having so much fun with the role, and like the the show as a whole doesn't seem to be too up its own ass, which is nice. Like it 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 doesn't have that sort of, oh, we're the best show ever, or you're gonna fucking love it it just gets on with being a good fun show. Yeah, I mean, even though it's you know, it's drawing from the books instead of the games, it's got a similar tone to the games, where it is just sort of even at, like it's got this consistent tone of 
not taking itself too seriously without getting silly. Mm. Like, it, it's just having fun with its world. Yeah. And that's the same sense I'm getting from the show. It's like they've got this really wonderfully realised world with its history and lore. Let's have some fun with it. And it seems to have done really well for the game because mm. apparently, like, this past weekend, they had higher concurrent player numbers for The Witcher 3 than that game had on its launch day, which... Yep. For a single-player game that's been out that long is mind-boggling. Yeah. And that's just the Steam figures. Like, who knows yeah. what it's like elsewhere? But that's been really interesting because I've never heard a story like that before. I've never heard the story of, like, people are flocking back to the game after a movie based on that game came out or a TV mm. show. I've never seen a story like this before. Um, so I'd be interested to see how it's how this story this record-breaking number of players stacks up against other games that have had licensed uh, things you know yeah which is even it's even more impressive when you consider that the the show isn't even based on the game but people have enjoyed it so much yeah and enjoy the witcher so like the witcher 3 so much that they're thinking yeah let's have more of this the, the only other thing i can think of that had a similar thing and this is anecdotal i don't have numbers to back it up but this year, I know a lot of people who used to be into Pokemon who got really back into it because of Detective Pikachu and had a fun time watching that and went, you know what, fuck it, I'll get a Switch and I'll play a Pokemon game again. Hmm. So that's just anecdotal, but that was a thing I saw like a few people who've not owned consoles in a while do. I was like, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure, like, I'm sure most of them have an effect. Yeah. Unless it's like, you know, Far Cry by Uva Bowl. I don't, I don't know mm. that if that got many people playing Far Cry again. Um, and of course, you have to account for the scale of the game as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Pokemon is so, such a massive franchise that it would be hard to tell outside of anecdotal. I, su like, I suppose. I suppose. It'd be as difficult. I say, it's anecdotal feelings as opposed to any hard numbers. But, uh... but I mean, anecdotally, like, yeah. the Witcher Netflix show worked on me because once I was done, I was like... Because I'd stopped playing... The Witcher 3 for a little bit, like these past few weeks, to focus on other stuff. But the moment I was done with The Witcher on Netflix, I thought, right, back to that, and hopped right in. There's a, there's a reason it's popped back up the front of my Switch play queue. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when people hear this, it's got to be 2020. Uh, maybe. I might pop this up a little early. Maybe it'll oh, go up. Well, maybe it's 2019. Who knows? It's one of those two years. I mean, let's just. It, it, it's, it's the end of the year. Like, it's. It's the Pretty end of the year. Pretty much the beginning of the twenties, the, the roaring twenties. Uh, the the roaring twenties, as in we're gonna set fire to it. It's gonna be all roaring flames across the nation. Yes, yeah, <laughs> mostly in like the rainforests and places where we can't afford to lose precious resources. Um, yeah, so it's gonna be the roaring, hot, fiery, sulfurous twenties. <laughs> I like that. The sulfurous twenties. <laughs> So this seemed like a good time to go back and go, hey, a bunch of shit happened in 2019. Conrad wasn't on the show for like a portion of that. So we this is a good excuse to go, Conrad, what did you think of? Oh, boy. X amount of the year, perhaps. I don't know if you have feelings on the year Probably or not. not. <laughs> That's totally fair. I've tried to block as much of it out as possible. That is totally fair. I fully support this uh, approach to the year. Um, so some things that happened this year. Um, I'm going to start off with just some news stories of some headlines of things that happened. Uh, Bungie escaped from Activision, which any company that can get out from under Activision, I will give them a round of applause for that. Yeah. It's just, what a company. 
because they have done this now what three times yeah amazing they keep like making huge franchises for someone else and then going nah fuck it we're off (laughs) and they're still around can i just offer a blanket statement yeah i was going to issue a blanket statement of this happened this year question mark yeah Um, Yeah. for all of these because i was about to say it for this story and then i realized i will say it for all of them oh i've been listening to uh, a podcast uh the daily zeitgeist and they've been Mm. going over like the top stuff that happened over the last decade for the last like yeah. week and a half, and uh, what? That yeah, <laughs> like really? That this stuff happened within this decade? I thought a little earlier, or you know, in most cases. So there's some games we're gonna get to on this list later today that I'm like, no, that was like four or five years ago. How the fuck was that? This it's year? just the long. Every year gets longer somehow. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that Bungie got out with Dest the rights to Destiny because you know. I'm ex- I'm excited to see what eventually happens with a future Destiny not under Activision. That'll be nice. Uh, Apex Legends surprise came out this year. That was beginning of January, and that that was probably the first time we saw a battle royale game come out that like stood toe to toe with Fortnite. Even if it feels like it kind of fell off a bit. Yeah, like its monetization can go to hell, but the game itself, certainly when it first came out, I really enjoyed. Mm. Um, I stuck with it. I was more in, into it than I ever was playing Fortnite. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I liked that yeah. it tried to differentiate itself. It wasn't just copying Fortnite. It was doing something a little bit different. I loved every minute of Apex Legends that I played. Yeah, the the, the main thing that I always think back about that game, I, and I wish more games would do, was that the, the quality of its ping system so that you could communicate in a group properly oh, yeah. without having to use voice chat. That's fantastic. Yeah, like I don't like talking to people for you know various um, anxieties and stuff. So being able to non-verbally communicate perfectly almost. You see an enemy, you ping them, boom, done. Your guys know where they are. Like it's it was really cleverly done. In fairness, uh, I I just watched the, we watched the Game Awards and there was a trailer for some new Apex Legends content. Yeah, yeah. And it was a really long trailer. And I don't know how long it was, like 45 seconds or something like that. But I didn't know what game it was. Yeah. Until uh, <laughs> until the Apex Legend. That, that's kind of a problem yeah. I have with it is that I can't distinguish it really just on like a visual level from yeah. anything else that's out there. I was thinking about that game the other day and I was like, can I remember the names of any characters? And the only character's name I can remember is Mirage. And that's only because of that 45 second advert in the <laughs> Game Awards. Where it's like, oh yeah, it was Mirage's Christmas holiday bash or whatever it was called. Let me see how many I can get. Okay. Lifeline. Uh, Caustic. Those were the two I played. That's two. <laughs> That's uh, true. <laughs> uh, Blood Hound. Sound, sounds real? Right, so that's the thing, is that you look at all of these other character-focused shooters and, and character-focused games in general that, you know, are multiplayer or online and, and whatnot, yeah. and it is really, they're distinctive in ways that they're just not in Apex for me. O- Overwatch did a much better char- uh, job of making its characters memorable, recognizable, even if you weren't actively playing the game. Exactly, because I could I could tell you, oh, that's an Overwatch character, and I've never never played it, but I can recognize them because they've done a good job of making them stand out and getting people to, you know, 
build a, an association yeah. with them and wants to do things creatively with them. The fandom uh, for Overwatch, I think, has done more to popularize it than anything else. And Apex, it doesn't seem malleable in that way. Mm. What was the name of the fucking robot one? <laughs> I don't fucking remember. There was a robot one and a soldier one and the one who done a shield who he's gay. They they said that. Oh, well, you want are you on about in Overwatch? No, no, no. The 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 shield. Oh, in Apex. The shield fellow oh, in Apex Legends is gay. I didn't. Oh, I didn't know the shield fellow was gay. The one who who I who isn't uh, can't be called Bloodhound. Can't be called Bloodhound. But that uh, that character is non-binary. When when you describe like there's. There's a soldier one. There's a soldier one who's gay and a robot one. And I'm like, I'm listening to you describe that. I'm like, you could be describing the Overwatch be about cast Overwatch, here. To be fair, like, yeah. Oh, are you on about? Are you on about um, Bastion and Soldier Seventy Six, for example? Yeah. Like, say what you will about um, Battleborn. At least when you see the giant mushroom throwing ninja knives, you know that's not in Overwatch. Yeah. Like I look I I look at Battleborn and I'm like I know those characters are from Battleborn definitely. <laughs> because that game was good. Because that game was really good. Yeah. Uh other stuff we had in the year back in March Google revealed Stadia their game streaming service that kind of is out now and That was this year? Yeah, that was start of this year. March they announced that and uh, it it did not make a splash in the slightest. No, I feel like they're gonna they're gonna try and make a big push for it in twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, try and get mass market adoption, but if they don't find success, it'll be gone by long before we reach the half point of this decade. I feel like this is the early access point, and then they're gonna try and make a second push. And if that second push doesn't do well, it's gonna it's gonna die off quick. Yeah, because I think that's really what it exists for right now. Because it wasn't released in the best of, best of shapes, so it was specifically for early adopters and the novelty of it. Twenty twenty, we're going to be seeing competing services coming along, and then then we'll see what happens with Stadia. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what stuff we get on the next gen consoles in terms of like. We know that Microsoft has their Project X Cloud thing that they want to be a big focus. We know that Sony's putting big money into trying to improve PlayStation now. Like, once all of the services have their version of it going at once, uh, we'll see if that pushes everything forward, maybe. Yeah, I dread to think how expensive this upcoming generation's going to be if we're expected to have subscription services for everything. Because I really worry about... Because that was something that happened this year, was Fallout First... And it's $99 subscription service! What? Yeah. And I'm I'm worried that the next generation will see a lot of, like, first-class subscription services within games. I mean, you know, the stratification only makes me want to opt out entirely from that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, I've never been a big online guy for my game, so it doesn't feel like a huge loss to me personally, but I feel bad for everybody else who is, like, super invested in creating, you know, in, in having these experiences with other people. It sucks. Like, it yeah. really sucks because they're just, just, they're just milking every last drop they possibly can. Yeah. There's, there's gonna be a tipping point because, like, if you look at... The mounting numbers of subscription services uh, for TV. Yeah. What you're getting is people going, 
I was happy to pay for Netflix. Now that you're asking me to pay for seven different services, fuck it, I'm going to pirate. Yep. Whereas when you don't really have that piracy option for online games on consoles, I worry that we're going to hit that same tipping point of, I fuck it, I don't want to pay this many subscriptions. And rather than even going to piracy, they're just not going to bother playing. I think there's going to be that tipping point where people go, fuck it, your game's got a subscription, I'm not paying it. We'll see... We'll probably see very similar situations that we've seen with every gold rush in this industry since mm. long before I even started like covering it. There will be some successes and a lot of disasters yeah. as everyone tries to do it because they already want everyone to have infinite time to play all of these live exactly. services. We do not yeah. have infinite money with all of the TV subscription services and music subscription services and now video game subscriptions. Something's got to give. Yeah. None of this is sustainable is the real problem. Yeah. yeah. And it's not that we'll see a big industry crash because people expect that, but we already see we see so many boom and bust cycles and it's mm. it's often like developers that get punished for it. Absolutely. They're the ones that will fall apart. There's where the crashes come in. Um, unless you have a really big one like THQ when one of the big trees falls. But, uh, yeah, it's it's too much. It's too much money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, some games that came out that happened this year. January this year, we got that Resident Evil 2 remake. Bloody brilliant. That's bloody, bloody good. Bloody good game. I heard that game was so good, it got a Jimquisition Award, the most prestigious award in games media. Did did it get a, a Jimquisition Award? Tell us about why you gave it a Jimquisition Award, my friend. Shiny trophy for that. A shiny trophy, gosh. Yeah. Resident Evil is a really good series. Resident Evil, I mean, Capcom's just been on an amazing run lately yeah th this year they've they've done real good at making just like really high quality no shitty monetization entries in series that they have that people love yeah they've they've super impressed they've just been doing good this year and resident evil 2 was it, it speaks it's a it's a testament to capcom's savvy with that series because when 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 one of the games in the series doesn't quite do so well, it's not like they scrap the whole series, like some companies will. They actually look at the series trajectory and change it. It's like it's reached the end of its lifespan for these types of games. Let's try something else. We saw that with like the original survival horrors. Then they did Resident Evil Four with the action uh, slant. That did really well for four, five, six. Six was a piece of shit. Um, I think it did okay commercially, but it was an awful game. And then Resident Evil 7 came along because they were like, let's try something else. And then Resident Evil 2 came along and they're like, well, you know, we want to do a remaster of this. Let's try a hybrid of survival horror like the Resident Evil remaster and something closer to Resident Evil 4. And now we've got a, in a position, I've, I've never seen this situation where one franchise has two completely different games inhabiting different subgenres in Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 2. And I would be perfectly happy with either. Yeah. Like, I, I was thinking back about this, this RE2 remake recently and the thing that stuck in my head about it was I kept trying to compare it to the way that Sega handles the 3D Sonic games, in that they are the antithesis to how Resident Evil's being treated at the moment. That any time a game isn't received perfect, they throw out absolutely everything, don't keep anything that worked, start over from scratch, make something totally different. 
Whereas even when Resident Evil, you know, you can see how each game was trying to build on something from the last, and when it doesn't work, they go, okay, let's dial it back. When was this last working? Maybe we, we take some of that and try something else. And they've they've done a really good job of listening to feedback and iterating on what worked. Yeah. E- even, even when the games are distinctly different genres, they still feel like the same series. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, the design of the, the house in Resident Evil 7, and it's very closely mirroring the original Resident Evil Mansion design. Um they they made some very traditional survival horror designs and um, decisions in that game but the first person perspective just gave it an entirely new feel mm. and then they could have just they could have easily squirted out resident evil 2 and made it exactly like resident evil remastered mm. they could have gotten away with it but they went back to the drawing board again yeah and did something new again and it was really good. It's why I'm excited for for three's remake. Like, yeah, I'm looking forward to Resident Evil three. I put the work in. Uh, what else came out in the year? Uh, Kingdom Hearts three. I had a bloody good time playing that mechanically. I have no fucking clue what was happening. Oh god, I've... god. There's a oh. there's an audio recording on the Patreon. Um, yeah. Anyone can download it, but there's an audio recording of me just reading the timeline of oh. events in the Kingdom Hearts series, and it took 20 yes, minutes. Yes, So, I I have tried to understand that plot. I have played most of the mainline entries in that series. I would still summarise Kingdom Hearts 3 as largely nothing happens, largely nothing happens, oops, all of the weapons from all of the heroes from the past are now a big swarm tornado, a man found a box, it's gonna be evil... And the hero ended up somewhere ooh, by the next game. But it felt so fun to play, I didn't care. I didn't care that there was no fucking plot. And it was like, okay, time to help Winnie the Pooh with his radishes. But it's fine, because I'm going to get a honeypot-shaped sword I can beat stuff up with. Yeah, it was a pretty good game. Like, I didn't like love love it as much as some people, but it was a, it was fun. It was visually gorgeous, and the gameplay system was, like... It was really enjoyable to to just run around beating stuff up. Yeah. Even if it's nonsense. It was a nonsense, nonsense, nonsense game. Tetris 99 was this year. Bloody hell. I fucking love that still. That was this year? Yeah, Tetris 99 was February. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been a long year, huh? Okay. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I... I'm just happy. I'm happy that we got a good Battle Royale that wasn't a shooter. Because we don't get those. I can respect it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I I like what it did for Battle Royales in that it's not a, a Battle Royale where you can just wait out and hide until you're in the top five and then go, now I shall play. It's, you know, everyone can see you at all times. It's like, oh shit, I actually have to, to, to do this. And I, I, I'm, I'm impressed that that game is still just a free thing on it, for your Switch subscription. That is nice. I wish Nintendo would fund more free stuff you get with your Switch subscription. You know, that, that's the kind of... The, Tetris 99 was the kind of stuff that would make me go, yeah, I feel like I've got my money's worth out of this. Well, and I think they have to... I, I think they have to. I, to keep yeah. that uh, program attractive to people, they're going to need to continue to add some little things. I mean, it doesn't necessarily even have to be as big as Tetris 99, which, frankly, is a pretty 
big game conceptually to get for free as part of a service, but but a few other things need to come in 2020. Stuff that's not necessarily just here's another NES game. Yep. Yeah. And they could do so much cool shit. Like Nintendo's, if there's anybody that I could see coming out of left field with something that's just like really unique and interesting, because you think about how uh, they did what, what was the the Meverse stuff yeah right? yeah yeah like those kinds of ideas i can see coming into a, a nintendo online service really organically and fun where's the company that made stuff like uh street pass that made like yeah tomodachi life that made those weird little games that are like not graphically or content huge but just like Here's just a weird little thing we made. Here's a, yeah, like, a, we'll get a Picross game on that service, right? Yeah, yeah. Goodness. Crackdown 3 came out in February. Awful. Oh, terrible, terrible game. Terrible game. It's on my list. It's on your list. Your, your shit list. My top 10 shittiest games of 2019. I forgot Mario Kart Tour had come out this year. Some people are like, where's that <laughs> on the list? I'm like, uh... oh, that, that could have been a good one. Out of out of the ones on my list, because someone was like, I don't agree with Crackdown 3 being on my list, where's Mario Kart Tour? I'm like, I wouldn't have replaced Crackdown 3 with Mario Kart Tour if I was going to put it on. I think it would come down between Mario Kart Tour and Ancestors, the Humankind Odyssey. Oh, and, wow. and Ancestors, uh, the arrogance surrounding it would, would probably, you know, I couldn't yeah. drop it. Um, but yeah, uh, Crackdown 3, it, it would have been... It still would have been derivative and unimaginative, but it would have been more acceptable in 2007. Mm. Well, I think this is why it surprised me so much when I read on this list that it came out this year. So I'm like, wasn't that years ago? And I'm like, oh no, they announced it years ago. Yeah, it just felt, and it just felt that way when it came out. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt like, oh, why would I play this? It, the day it came out, it felt like it came out years prior. Well, I think while you were playing it, it felt like it came out years prior too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's in that camp of games like uh, The Last Guardian, where you sit and play it and you go, I can feel the fact that this game has been in, like, six years of development hell. Like, I, I can feel the year this was supposed to release. Right. Oh, goodness. Far Cry New Dawn, did either of you play much of that? Nope. Yeah, yeah, I played some of it. It was Far Cry. It was Far Cry. They all blend together in my brain. I try and think back on New Dawn, and I I can't differentiate which one I'm thinking of. Would you say it was a Far Cry from being original? Oh, yeah, yes, okay. I would. All right. I, I would. Uh, Metro Exodus was this year. Uh, I'm in the minority of people that didn't like it, but apparently I'm the only one. I... I I can see why people liked it. It just didn't grab me. I liked the first two, but I liked the the tight corridor design of those games. And, yes. and Exodus, I found just too open for the style of game it is. Mm. Uh, Anthem <laughs> that came out this year. <laughs> That's on my list. That had to be on my list. How long did that game take to get its roadmap completely cancelled and? Just fade away. I think it was a couple months ago. It sort of made it past the must have made it past the six month mark since its release. Did it? Did it last that long? Really? Maybe. I mean, I know they started missing deadlines for it almost immediately. Yeah. Um. So it never came. You know, they did a sort of version of the first act they were going to do, but I don't think they even really did it to that degree. And then 
yeah, it's dropped. There, there are suggestions that Bioware is still working on it, and they, they're going to do some big, like, No Man's Sky-style patch. Um, but it, as far as this year goes, it was, it was one of the biggest examples of the folly of the whole live service thing. Yeah. Because they had a roadmap, clearly with no idea what was going to be in Acts 2 and 3. They didn't even have names. They had no real... They can't, you can't even call them roadmaps if they're not mapped out. Mm. You can't just say, oh, in this quarter of the year, something will happen. That's not a map. That's someone giving you bad directions after you've like asked them from your car. That's not, not even that. Yeah. That's at least vaguely useful. Just keep, just keep driving north and it'll be somewhere north. Yeah. It, it has given a really great example to point to when people say, well, what's the problem with, you know, live service games and, and ongoing roadmaps? You can point it at them now and go like, that that's the potential problem you have, is you might pay for a game that just doesn't get the content that you're told it's going to get. Yeah. And you have no recourse to to demand that content. You just don't get it. Yeah, and because because they had this roadmap planned... The game comes out with barely anything to do. And what is there isn't very good. I mean, one issue with these looter shooters is if you have more plausible, realistic guns, it's not exactly exciting to pick up loot that consists of the same old shotguns and assault rifles. Yeah. Like, Borderlands 3 has very characteristic guns. Like, the whole Borderlands series has very characteristic guns... uh, with a lot of personality and unique designs with very uh, strange properties and stuff like that, um, it makes getting a rare gun stand out. This, it doesn't stand out in Anthem, and the gameplay is so repetitive. It's every mission, at least at launch, was fly to a place, shoot the thing, play hot and cold, fly to a place, shoot the thing, play hot and cold, and that was it. I would far rather put the work in to earn a gun in a game if it was if it's something like the dubstep gun in Saints Row Four or right. the the gun that shoots swords in uh, that that Tiny Tina DLC for Borderlands Two. Like, give me a gun that feels distinct and like I've earned something weird and cool. Don't just go. It's another machine gun, but it's got a point two percent higher rate of fire. Yeah, that's that's just not Ooh. for me. Ooh. Fucking awful. I mean... Yeah. I just... I don't want to play a spreadsheet. That's the thing. Yeah. That's all. There's something I coined loot fatigue where you end up just ignoring loot on the floor. Yeah. I did that with The Division 2, which also came out this year, if you can believe it, which... God, really? I found it enjoyably tedious, Division 2, but by the end of it, by the end of my time with it, I'm like, I don't want to pick up all these guns. I mean, to, to Comrade's point... No shame on anyone that enjoys a good spreadsheet management game. There are games that are unashamedly spreadsheet management games. You know, your football managers and whatnot. Right, like people who are into baseball. Like my dad was big into baseball uh, when I was growing up. And so, I mean, that's just stats. It's nothing but math geek shit. Yeah. Uh, You know, everybody, people look at sports and they think, you know, that the people who are at home watching it are all into like the physical activity. And yeah, there's some of that. But in reality... The people who are hardcore into this stuff, it's all about the numbers. And mm. I get it. Like, I totally see why that's appealing. However, <laughs> yeah, maybe not for me. Yeah. You know what was for me this year? 
Devil May Cry 5. Mm. That was fucking good. Yep. I've always liked that series. Yeah. Just missed getting an award because of the microtransactions. Rules is rules. Yeah. And they they were bollocky. Like, it was almost like the Deus Ex Mankind Divided ones, where it's like, let's just shove them in for obligatory reasons. But the game itself is fucking great. Yeah. I think the only game in that series I didn't like was, like, on some level, was Devil May Cry 2. And that one just bored me. Yeah, that one, that's fairly common thing. And even that, like, in hindsight, I can still find joy in it, you know, because of its place in a larger series. Right. You know, I don't hate it. But I I really think Devil May Cry 5 was, a, like, a a real step up for that for a series I'd already been enjoying. Yeah. It, 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 I think it really did a good job of elevating that series to being something that the main the mainstream audience was is willing to pay more attention to. Yeah, and a lot of people, I think myself included, called it a return to form after DMC, which I also, in fairness, liked. Mm. But I don't even know if return to form is fair because it's not only a return to the formula, it raises its game. Mm. And again, this is another Capcom thing. They could have... They could have half-assed this yeah. and still skated by because it would have been a return to form. But they didn't. It's it's taking a series that was already doing well enough and going, yeah, let's not skate on our laurels. What can we do to improve this? And yeah. I would love to see more companies do that. Yeah, I mean, it would be great if oh. companies decided to make their things better. Um, Capcom's a good example. As we've been talking about this, I can't get the uh, the main theme for it out of my head. I'm just like, oh... That game had such a good soundtrack. Oh, so many good tunes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the, the and the fact they got three playable characters yeah. that perform very differently and all of them are fun to play. Yeah. I I I it, I took a little while to get my head around controlling V, but yeah, V ended up being one of my favorite playable characters. Yeah. And the the rocket arms that Nero has. I mean they're not all oh. rockets, they're all different things. But the, yes. the robot arms, where you can, like, ride one like a rocket or... Yeah, yeah, like, time-fall arms and shit like that. Yeah, like, really weird things you could do. They were great. That, that fucking minigame where you could ride your own rocket arm around, like, a little mini-obstacle course, that was great. Yeah, if there's one thing that that series has been good at, <laughs> it's just complete absurdity. I'm, I'm up for any game where you can hit someone in the face with a, with a motorcycle repeatedly. Yes! I forgot about oh, the motorcycle weapon. The motorcycle. He just oh. fights with a fucking bike. I was really good at that game as well. I'm not often good at, you know, I'm okay at most games. But that one, I I got really good at it. It was and when oh, it was awesome. It's just so unabashed. Yeah. All the time. It 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 will go and it it's never like I guess there's some of it that it gets a little bit like uh and maybe you should maybe that was a questionable choice writing wise yeah but for but for the most part it's just silly and it's played to be as silly as possible yeah. it knows what it is and it's fine with that and that was the problem that they ran into with resident evil for me for a long time is mm. that like it, uh, by contrast i wanted something more serious out of resident evil a lot of yeah. the time and it went too far into that goofy. It was almost House of the Dead by the time you get to Resident Evil 5. And, and they've pulled back on that, and that's good. Uh, but that's what I want out of Devil May Cry. I want it to be yeah. just as goofy and over the top and, yeah. and silly as possible. But similar to Yakuza is when it 
when it wants you to care about the plight of the characters, it does it pretty damn well. Like you mm-hmm. still follow, you still invested in the characters and their success and, and care when you're supposed to care. And then a big motorbike is being used to hit devils in their head. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, what else was this year? Sekiro. Sekiro was this year. Ah, uh, yes. I didn't care about it as much as I hoped I would. Like, it wasn't It wasn't bad. I just sort of... We don't have Gav. We don't have Gav to, like, beam about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, like, I fell off the Souls train a long time ago. Um... I, I still like the Souls games, but just... Oh, I think they're great mm. games. I just, I can't, I'm not... Yeah. They're, they're too much for me. It, uh, I can't get invested in their lore because it's way too complex. And it requires way more effort on my... Like, I, you have to want to understand a Souls game, right? Yeah. That's a that's a fair... Yeah, that that that's a good description. Right? You have to make an effort there. And that's more effort than I am able to invest in a video game right now. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, they're brilliantly designed. I played a lot of Bloodborne. I didn't finish it. but And that game was super fun. But that's the last one in any of this type of thing that I played because, you know, I got to a point where I was uh, trying to find a door to knock on for something. (laughs) Like, that was the next step I had to take. I had no idea what what the fuck I was doing (laughs) wandering around. I'm just like, what am I doing here? I'm meandering around the same, like, square block doing fucking nothing. (laughs) Yeah, but you didn't read that one item description <laughs> that hinted at what you had right? to do. Yeah, that cryptically said something about a shadow, and you're supposed to know. There Whoa. are several listeners right now who have been sick <laughs> of years of the hosts of Podquisition spending twenty minutes an episode talking about Souls games. <laughs> right now, they are like it. They feel like they've had a back full of boils lanced. <laughs> Like the, the relief must like I I'm feeling it off them like I, mean, I I feel great because I'm imagining how it must have felt for them listening to Conrad just uh, now. I mean I I love most of the Souls games. Sekiro just didn't do it for me. Yeah, well, it's not a Souls game. That's the thing. I mean, well, that's what I, I mean. Of of the FromSoft games, this yeah, one just didn't do it I, for me. I excitedly jumped into it. Mm. and quickly found out that it was not for me. And, you know, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast and in videos. Um, Some people think I'm just going easy on it because it's a From Software game, but I reacted to it the same way I reacted to... um, the way I react to fighting games, like Street Fighter and stuff. Mm. It's just clearly not my thing, and the only reason I even did a video on it was because it was expected of me. But if a Sekiro 2 comes out, I probably won't do a video on it unless... They've made some very significant changes. Yeah. Uh, you know what came out and was charming this year? Yoshi's Crafted World. Oh, that was pretty decent, yeah. Yeah, that was a really delightful, just like, colourful, silly platformer. Uh, I, I love that you could unlock all those little free costumes of, like, here's my Yoshi running around in a cardboard uh, train outfit, so he's just holding it up next to himself, going like, choo-choo, I'm a little train, as he, you know jumped over milk cartons and went to space and it was just it was just really charming it's just really sweet and sometimes that's all i want out of a game is something that's just light-hearted and sweet and and visually pleasing yeah i I had very little to complain about it 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 was good for what it needed to be yeah it was cute yeah 
Uh, well, what else is this year? I'm I'm doing a skim through. The the year is long. Uh, uh, Days Gone came out this year. Oh fucking hell, yeah. That's another. That's another game that like big Sony exclusive that I forgot existed. Yeah, it. Funnily enough, a couple weeks ago I tweeted a joke about like, can you believe Days Gone was released this year? I, 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 did, I said something about it, and I've forgotten again by the time you just mentioned it. Um, it was fine. There were a lot of flaws with it, but it was mm. it was okay. It was one of the weakest PS4 exclusives. Yeah, like, Sony have been really, really quite good the last few years with having first-party exclusives that I would on the whole say, like, yeah, that was really fantastic. You've made a lot of, like, really... Really impressive new IPs, and you've like you've you've created a bunch of stuff that I found really interesting. This is the first one in a while that has just felt has just felt forgettable. Forgettable. Yeah. Uh, it's not even that it's bad. It just hasn't it hasn't wowed the way that say that Spider-Man PS4 game or Horizon Zero Dawn, for example, did, or or the the new God of War things like that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, there's not much to... The one thing I liked about it was the the zombie nests. They were designed really well visually. Here's... Here, okay, I just... I, that list, I was I was muted, and I was totally going to, like, interrupt you, and I'm, I'm still going to do it. Yeah, really? do it. Because do it. you have just listed... You have listed three games that I've played, and that says something. Yeah, yeah. That, no, right? those, are, those are three real good games, huh? Right, yeah, and I actually played them. I played the Spider-Man, I played the Horizon... <laughs> They're the only games I think I've played, like, major titles on my PS4 until now Titanfall 2 and Control this year. Oh, have, have you started on Titanfall 2? I did start on Titanfall 2, yeah. Ooh, I've, I've played, like, like an hour and a half, two hours. It is... Forget, forget about 2019, how's that going? Fucking great. <laughs> yeah, right? Wow. Like, I have real, like, I have real problems with uh, shooter environments uh, and shooter mm. environment design. Uh, figuring out where I need to go a lot of the time is a challenge. This handles that so well. Everything is visually communicated clearly. I know what walls I can run on. I know the acrobatics that are expected of me. And it feels amazing. It's a great game. Not only is it really easy to see where you can do things and what things you need to do, but the the ability to execute on those is so simple. Mm -hmm. Like, it it makes you feel like an absolute... it, It reminds me a bit of the original Mirror's Edge in that... It's one of those games that makes you feel amazing just for getting around the place. Right, because here's the thing. I know I'm not good at these games. Mm. I am aware of that. So the fact that I feel like I'm executing at a high level while playing this game says something about the way it's designed to make you feel that way. Because I know it's not my doing. It's not because of anything on my part that I'm awesome here. <laughs> uh yeah, so that I really appreciate that, and and it's it's hella fun. I will I will probably finish the campaign, so that's mm. that's something. Yeah, it it's not a super long one, but I would definitely recommend like getting through that campaign. It is well worth it. It is it is one of the most recommendable single player campaigns for a shooter I can think of. Yeah, it's good. Okay, <sighs> I'm so glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm I'm liking that a lot. Anyway, I was sorry for that digression and the interruption and Jim's probably forgotten what he was going to say now. No, never never apologize for being excited about a thing. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to replay it myself soon. It's I 
I remember it being awesome, but I can't remember exactly how awesome. I want to remember exactly how. Mm. The scope just feels epic, too. Which, uh, you know, I didn't play the first Titanfall. So this is my first real interaction with this uh, with this world. And the first Titanfall didn't even really have a campaign, so... Yeah. It, it had, like, audio logs between multiplayer missions. Yeah, okay, I can live without that. Yeah, you don't need that at yeah. all. You, you can skip Titanfall 1 entirely. Titanfall 2 is better in every way. Um, other stuff this year. A Plague Tale Innocence was really good. Fucking brilliant. Jimquisition Award worthy. It won one. Yeah. That's what I heard. It, it is It is probably the best game that Focus Home Interactive have ever put out, I would say. Yes. A company that routinely yes. puts out, like, really weird... Uh, ambitious. Mi- yeah. Usually, like, very ambitious middle, mid-tier games that always have, like, Weird caveats you have to recommend them with, right, yeah. and this is the least. This is the least caveats I've ever had to give with a recommendation for a for a, a focus home interactive game. Yeah, I mean, really, the the biggest caveat I give is the stealth, only because it's for a very particular type of stealth mm. player, and some people who like their stealth more open ended might be unsatisfied. But the fact that it is linear as I've said many times before, lets them dictate the pace of the tension. Mm. Because if you're doing it correctly, yeah, you won't get caught. But because you're on a linear track, the game, you know, the the direction of the game can have you just about miss getting caught. Just about get out of the room. And, And it never failed to have me on the edge of my seat. Like, I was more nervous and tense and scared playing this game than I have almost any horror game, with the exception of Alien Isolation and maybe parts of uh, Outlast. Mm. It's fucking... Yeah, it's really tense stealth. But if you want your your open-ended, more like Metal Gear Solid, where you can play with the environment, you might be unsatisfied. And then there are the rats. Oh, the rats. The fucking terrifying rats. (sighs) They're so grotesque. Like, when... You drop a corpse or, like, make a corpse and to distract the rats because they'll swarm over it. The noise and the speed and the animation of those swarms of rats, like, just descending on a dead body to feast on it with just this surge of squeals. Like, it's every mm. time it made my skin crawl. You, you know what it achieves? It manages to do what I think a lot of games that try and have fast zombies are trying to aim for, which is that the sort of creepiness of inhuman large numbers of things acting as a mindless swarm. And it doesn't often work with zombies, but it works really well here with these rats. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it was it's easier to do with the rats because they are so small and you can just sort of... yeah. Once you've got one, you can... Like, when you've got zombies, you can't render as many and get them all to move that fast without, like, clipping into each other. So, yeah, they did a fantastic job of nailing that that sense that if these things got to you, like, they'd strip you to the bone in seconds. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, like, just land-bound piranhas. I would love to see A Plague Tale 2 be about piranhas. Um, (laughs) I was surprised, but pleasantly so, that they're doing another one. Um... Yeah, and and it's not just that the gameplay was good. The story is lovely, like in a in a really dark macabre way. Um, 
the characters are fantastic. I love the cast of characters. I love the relationship between Amicia and Hugo, how she starts sort of not all that attached to her brother because she didn't know him mm. very well and she's still a kind of impatient kid. And she has to learn patience as well as everything else. And people say character growth a lot, but this is one where I really felt there was an arc. Like, all of the characters started as one type of person and ended up shaped by what happened to them as similar, but also very different. And you don't get... You get a lot of character arcs in games, but not ones, I think, that were this well fleshed out and thought out. Mm, definitely. Uh, Cadence of Hyrule came out this year. I found that really fun. Just silly music rhythm based Zelda adventure as someone that really enjoyed Crypt of the Necrodancer it was really nice to get another game with that set of mechanics but with Zelda music and it it was a really good looking game oh yeah that was fun yeah yeah I I really like the the sort of roguelike nature of it where it's not randomizing the map between deaths but save files will randomize which just made me go back to it a couple of times because each time I go back to it, it's like I don't fucking know where anything is anymore. Great, let's ha- let's let's feel this a little bit fresh. That's been fun. That was a nice little thing that came out. It's a good yeah. That was a good laugh. Yeah, bloodstained bloodstained ritual of the night was this year. Jim Position Award winner, one of my best very, games of the year. Very good game. Very good. Yeah, what one of the few games that was a Kickstarter that dragged on and got delayed for years and then came out and was good. It was impeccable. I I love it so much. The game makes me so happy. I love the, the visual design. The monsters are wonderful, as one would hope from a game that's sort of a spiritual successor. Um, and it really does feel like that in every way, like shamelessly so. Mm. But I respect the shamelessness. And, you know, Eager di- directed it, He and he deserves, if anyone deserves to shamelessly rip on something, he does. Because mm-hmm. this is the kind of game he wanted to make that Konami wouldn't let him make. So, yeah. yeah. It, and you could feel the release in that game. You could feel like someone with a lot of pent-up... Not just him, like a, a team with a lot of pent-up creativity just letting it out there. And the little subtle digs to Konami within it, I appreciate a lot as well. And the fact that David Hayter is voicing a character. Yeah. You got any thoughts on it, Comrade? I mean, I think it, it, it's what I wanted out of a successor to Symphony of the Night. Like it it it's, yeah. it plays well. It plays the way it, I feel like it should. I was a little worried um when like the like midway through development when they were starting to show some gameplay and I was like, mm, I don't know if I feel the visuals on this and and I'm still pleasantly surprised. They released the end. Yeah. I think it was this year even. They released one of the best video game trailers I've ever seen. It started with actual comments lifted, talking mm, about right. how bad it looked. And I'm like, that is a confident fucking power play. Because yeah. they then showed how it looked after they took all that criticism on board, and it was fantastic. It it was the complete opposite of Mighty Number no. 9, and they're like, mm. hey, don't like our game? Fuck you! Kind of marketing uh, strategy. It was like... No, we're going to be sincere. We we see that you don't like it, and we we worked on it. Sorry about that. It, uh, cry like an anime fan on prom night, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. On prom night. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. Yeah, make the bad guys cry. Uh, and then, of course, when the game came out, someone 
I forget if it was a community person or PR person or whatever, but someone on a live stream reacting to all the bad press just saying, it's better than nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. I I suppose it's a better video game than no video game. (laughs) Obviously, the the Switch version, I've not played the Switch version of Bloodstained, but I heard it was very bad. But um, I, I don't know if it's fully fixed now, but I know they worked really hard on fixing it. Uh, the last time I played it, it had had a pretty... I believe it had had its, its fairly noticeable patch, and yeah, it definitely seems to be a much-improved game. Like, it's it's a shame that they put it out on sale when it clearly wasn't ready, but they've put the work in, and they're, you know, they are clearly trying to trying to improve it. Yeah. So yeah, that's all good, and I, I backed yeah. it, matter of um, disclosure, I guess, because people, people think that, you know, I'm going to be, I guess, kind to something I backed. Despite what happened to We Happy Few. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, as, as far as being great or perfect, this game I backed is perfect. Um, <laughs> I don't regret backing it. I mean, I don't regret backing even bad games because it's like, it's, yeah. I, I understand it's a risk. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've had games change genres from something I wanted to play <laughs> to something I didn't. Uh, that was the Miskatonic. But this is yeah. one of those times where I, I only, I, I backed it as a, to stick it to Konami. It's the only reason I did it, because I believe in, you know, I can put my money where my mouth is. Um, when I say I want this type of game, and then someone on Kickstarter is like, well, we're doing this type of game. And I'm like, it looks quite good. Here's some money, and fuck Konami. Yeah. And and I, I got the game I wanted. Like, ab- 100% the game I wanted. I'm I'm super glad. Yeah. Um. What, one that I got really into this year uh, for several months was Dragon Quest Builders 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. You had a lot to say about that, yeah. Yeah. I was I was really into that game. So, like, the the, the long and short of it is uh, the Dragon Quest Builder series is, has always been Minecraft, but with a story mode. And while the first one was like, yeah, it was fun enough, it had, it had a lot of big problems. Um, most notably... Every sort of maybe quarter of the way through the game, you'd go to a new island and they would just strip you of all of your progress. Like, oh, you have none of your recipes and none of your items and none of your equipment. And you basically had to start from scratch like three or four times in that game. And it was a real, you know, it just killed the momentum of it. Um, Dragon Quest Builders 2 did a lot of good stuff of it gave you a persistent like central island that you could start you know, this this is your non-story island that you could start building stuff up on right from the start. Um, you could chip away at it a little bit here and there as you were doing the story, so it didn't feel like this big daunting thing to do at the end of the game. Um, but beyond that, they did a bunch of stuff like, hey, go do this scavenger hunt. We will just give you unlimited of this crafting resource. Like, once you've had a crafting resource long enough that like okay you don't need to keep going and getting that you you've gone and collected just regular wood enough now here's unlimited wood anything out of wood just craft it without needing to go get resources and things like that that were designed to basically speed up the process of doing the creative part of the game and to incentivize working on that little bits here and there before you got to the end of the story got me to stick around like i i ended up like in the post game making this big island with like multiple little towns going on and i went and recruited all these animals and put them in my farms i had a train system going around the whole island i got really into it it's the most i've gotten into one of those uh 
voxel, build things with materials, crafting type games, because it was ju- it felt really respectful of my time. That was really lovely. That was a that was a nice one. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Uh, let's have a let's have a skim through further in the year. Uh, Astral Chain came out this year. You played through some of that, didn't you, Jim? Yeah, I never went back to it to give it that other chance. I just haven't had the time. And also, yeah. when I've got time to play something, I end up either live streaming or just doing The Witcher again. Yeah, I I, I got really into Astral Chain again. It's another platinum one that came out this year, Nintendo exclusive. Um, I put about 60 hours into that game. Um, I really enjoyed its combat system with the whole uh, controlling one character plus your tethered uh very angry demon that doesn't want to be chained to you the whole way through um i thought they did some really interesting stuff with the uses of that chain that tethered between you the uh ways that the combat built up over time the escalation of the narrative by the end um there are There's a moment near the end of that game where you are shooting people while driving a motorcycle while wielding a demon on a chain around you to fight other people mid-interactive motorcycle chase. And I was just like, this is what I want in a video game. It's just unashamedly excessive and over-the-top and dramatic, and I felt very cool while playing it. So that that's that's I got real, real fucking into Astral Chain. Other things... We're getting we're getting closer to the end of the year now. Uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts, that's bloody lovely. Yeah, I, I need to go back and give it another go. I played it on the iPad when it hit Apple Arcade. Um, mm. I couldn't quite... I just felt like I couldn't quite play it right. And the problem with a game like that is if you don't feel like you're nailing it, it can get very frustrating. Yes. So I only played it for a little bit, but I... I'm curious to give it another go. P- play it on Switch where you've got like a physical controller. World of difference. Yeah, I think that might have been the issue is the touchscreen didn't quite feel right. Yeah. It, it It's one of those games that like to do a playthrough of it, it's only going to take you 90 minutes or so. And it is probably my personal game of the year. It is the thing that has stuck with me most. It is. It is a beautiful 90 minutes of really... <laughs> really meaningful interactive musical art it it gave me a lot of the same feelings i had playing tetris effect through the first time in in vr when i got really into that it's just a game that makes really smart use of music and gameplay together it's a lovely little game uh near the end of the year now code vein was a couple of months ago i really really liked that one yeah it was a close. It was a close contender for a, a Jimquisition award. Didn't get one, but it's up there. Of the various Dark Souls clony type things, this one really felt like a good one. It didn't have that sort of cheap, tacky feeling that a lot of previous attempts at, like, you know, the, the, things like the original The Surge and things like that had. It was a real fun game. Yeah, I and The Surge. The Surge Two was this year as oh, well. Oh, The Surge Two was this year as well. And God, that one yeah. I liked even more than Code Vein. Yeah. It's been a good year for like Dark Souls clones yeah. getting coming coming to the surface properly. I and mean, it was it was Eula that that made me more interested in the Surge Two because very much yeah. like Dragon Quest Builders, there was a lot of issues with the first one that the second one seemed mm. to address, and it addressed them yeah. really well. And I I was hooked on the Surge Two, and I I played the new game plus for a bit and was really impressed because normally it's like play the game again with all of your stuff. Mm. And maybe the enemies will be a bit harder. 
but there are new enemies thrown in. Yeah. There's a whole new first intro, like playable intro to it. Um, they really went out on the, the new game plus. It's, it's just a shame the textures were so bad on console. Yeah. I, I ended up playing it through on PC and I'm so glad I did having seen console footage. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's kind of embarrassing. It was weird trying to explain in the, uh, Jim Pressions video why I loved it so much when it looked so trashy <laughs> but it's it's a testament to how good the game was that I played it looking trashy for most of it and still absolutely loved it so yeah good game uh Disco Elysium was this year well I mean yeah yeah fucking majestic that 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 if there's one game this year that I'm like i feel like we need to get Comrade to eventually play if he's got time I mean I yeah. want to I want to badly it's just a matter of like i can't buy a game right now but i will that's, i will definitely be that's yeah, the next thing on my list it's it is it is very 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 much game of top game of the year territory it's yeah. i cannot believe that that is that studio's first game it's yeah it is such an impeccable quality of very unique Nothing quite like it game. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you why why else it's one of the best, probably the best game of the year ever, right? Mm. Is unlike all the other ungrateful bastards that got Jimquisition Awards, the developers actually acknowledged me. (laughs) 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 But no, I mean, seriously, just incredible writing. (sighs) Like, it manages to have me laugh out loud and also just feel called out and punched in the gut. At, at perfect times mm-hmm. the writing is just on another level and when i look at it i think forget graphics this is where games need to be evolving yeah this is where they need to go i want to i want to feel like the world is responding to everything is responding to my choices in such a variety of ways that i could almost be convinced that it's actually yeah responding to me i'm very very curious about that because my the great complaint the great uh sort of ceiling for me in terms of role play storytelling in video games is that it always feels contrived it always feels very limited in very sort of obvious ways as soon as you start to you know peel back and look at the mechanics um the 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 way i feel like disco elysium gets over that is you can't at all times choose to do absolutely everything in the world, but much like if you're playing, if you're really committing to role playing a character in a tabletop RPG, you can you Disco Elysium always allows you to do basically every option that would make sense for the kind of character you have played up to that point. Yeah. And that's that's such a challenging line to thread mm-hmm. uh, that I'm I, hearing how positively everyone's responded to it has made me extremely yeah. curious. The the sheer amount of focus it puts into making you tell the game who do you want this character to be that the options it presents you in choice scenarios always feel rooted in those choices you made, mm-hmm. and that's a really satisfying thing. Um, yeah. And at this point, we've reached, like, the games that came out recently enough that we probably don't need to go into them too much. Uh, After Party came out, that's fun. Luigi's Mansion 3 was fun. Death Stranding was weird and 
I still don't quite know if I get it. It didn't. It didn't get on the shittiest games of the year list. Did it was gonna be at one point, and it, I loved what I wrote about it so much that I kept it in the video anyway and just bolted it on the front of a different entry. <laughs> it's like a dishonorable um, mention. Very much so, a dishonorable. Yeah. Mostly because of the amazing trailer that they played for it in the showing of Rise of the Skywalker I went to that made me laugh out in the middle of the audience too loud for a normal human being. Um, I don't know if you've seen this commercial, but I, I talk about it on the video. And I, I rolled it up with the entry for Flowers Are Dead because that had an amazing trailer, so it all made sense. But anyway, this trailer starts with like the world flooded, everything's submerged underwater, like buildings, there are no people around, deserted cars... You see a school bus with a teddy floating in it. You see mannequins in a shop window. Their hair floating about. Sad music. You might be thinking, like, oh, maybe it's a Bioshock thing at this point. Um, really sad, like, affecting stuff. Then, time seems to reverse. The water's drain. The water is, is receding from the city. There's a, 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 a gym horse in a high school gym. There's a rat on it just providing this glimmer of, of hope and life. It all sink, all recedes, all starts getting sucked into one building, gets sucked up the stairs, building to a crescendo, anticipation with it, as the final bit of water gets sucked into the eye of a man who is crying playing Death Stranding. David Cage is looking at that being like, fuck, fuck, I right. had it. I had it, it was fine. I don't know why David Cage was German in mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's Uwe Boll doing an impersonation of David, David Cage. I'd love to get them two in a room together. Oh my God. I would love to get them into a room together with matches. <laughs> Just lit matches everywhere. What they do with them is up to them. Um... Yeah, the trailer is incredible. I think technically it's a commercial for a PS4 Pro, but it's just so on point with Death Stranding. It's pretentious and pompous and up its own ass, and it thinks it's incredible. And it, it reaches for an emotional gravitas that it's done fuck all to earn. People have pointed out that the bit the guy's crying about in the commercial is like from the beginning of the game. Like, it's Norman Reedus on screen crying, but no one playing the game knows why he's crying yet. So this dude's not even crying over a bit that's sad in Death Stranding. Um, oh. So anyway, I described how pompous and pretentious the commercial is and then said, but what about the game? Well, it's that. So then I moved on to Flowers are Dead, which is yeah. an appalling game. Uh, and the last one that should probably get a mention, Shenmue 3. Yikes. Shenmue 3. I, I, oh. I'm still not convinced that the series isn't a joke that i'm not i've not gotten that all the fans are in on or that you are you have gotten and nobody else has well it could be that too um <laughs> the water world of video games is that series came out after years of like little controversies and news headlines about how much money it had brought in from crowdfunding it came out with barely a whimper um didn't sell very well in japan i don't know how sales and didn't chart in the UK. Um, I feel like the fan base has neither grown nor... Well, I did the math on a previous episode where it seems like there's about 
I think like 200,000 Shenmue fans in the world and that's all there's ever been and ever will be. But at least it's stable. And I think that I think that that's right. Uh, but yeah, but I think that that's right. It's, you know, similar to the um approval ratings of the president of the United States at this time. Like he's got 35% approval, but it's rock solid. Those fuckers are never going anywhere. Yeah. Just just don't spend other people's money. No. I mean, no, no, spend other people's money. If they want to give you their money to spend, do it. <laughs> Look, that's enough. the number one rule of filmmaking is that you never make a movie with your own money. That is true. Well, I mean, that's the thing Yu Suzuki is very good at, is he's very good at spending other people's money to make games that I think are garbage, um, but, but 200,000 people like. It's just, it's not so much don't spend other people's money, it's don't give that man money if you have it and expect a return on your investment. No, you should give people, you should allow, yeah, I, sh I have no problem with people with more money than cents giving money to Yu Suzuki to make video games. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's on their heads, be it, yeah. Yeah. And and people do like them. It's it's not like there isn't an audience for it. It's just that there's maybe not an audience large enough to justify the expense of these games. But if you can find a way to do it, shit, man, do it. Just oh, yeah. don't like just don't take the money for people <laughs> yeah. and F yeah. find a find a way to make your Shenmue games, but don't expect me not to laugh at how just terrible they are. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's, that's a very fair compromise. I mean, not even, not even, just yeah, just not not my thing. It's not it's not ever going to be my thing. But I'm so happy for the people who, because there's lots of shit that's gone by the wayside that yeah. I think would be amazing if it could come back. And I recognize that the, the audience of people that agree with me is way too small for that to be a practical reality. So to see something like this that's just like mind-boggling to me that it continues to be made, it's great. You know what? Well done, them. For for convincing a company all these years later to make a sequel to that game and it be basically that game that they yeah. liked again. Not just Unlike that. Unlike fucking Beyond Good and Evil 2. Oh. Not just that. They convinced multiple companies, including the one that got burned by the first two, to kick in some coins. Ah, Amazing. Yeah. Toss a coin to Suzuki. Like this is a triumph. We really should be, we should be celebrating Shenmue Three as as the <laughs> accomplishment that it truly is. I mean, in terms of just sheer fucking gumption, sheer gall, I I've got to admire it. And pushing a rock uphill for a lot oh, yeah. of years. I mean, that's the thing. Like some people might suggest that there's a bit of a con, a scam going on with that game. And as we've said before, like I don't think any of us have could even entertain that because i think suzuki 100 no. percent is committed to this epic in his mind he's got what was it like 11 to 16 chapters of of shenmue i i sincerely hope he gets to make shenmue 9 i sincerely <laughs> hope he gets to do it i mean he's so confident and so committed we will all be dead by then yeah he's <laughs> he's so committed to this saga though that he wouldn't let shenmue 3 end with a satisfying conclusion his oh. wise writers would do it just in case writers who truly believe yeah but why do that when you know when you know that yeah. they'll let you do Shenmue 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 and 9 he's a true believer and I'm never going to take that away from him he, he is so 
so confident in in despite what the world says and i'm happy for the 200,000 people that they they get to have that and me and 50,000 people don't get to have a new guitar room man ah <laughs> uh. I think that's basically 2019. Well, we got Outer Worlds. Oh, Outer Worlds. Which I thought was fucking brilliant. Oh, Outer Worlds. Yeah, Outer Worlds. Sorry, that yes. Got an I apologise apologize for any that I've forgotten to do. And there'll be loads uh, that we've all forgotten, for sure. There'll be a bunch, yeah. This is me just trying to skim through. Yeah. There's one oh. thing from 2019 that I thought was really interesting and, and probably didn't get... I don't know, maybe it got as much attention as it actually deserved, but... Um, the Textorcist, the story of Ray Bibia. Yeah, I haven't even heard of that. I don't know what this is, but I feel like I need to. Yes, you do. This is, it's a fascinating little, uh, sprite-based, uh, typing action game. So you, mm. you play a former priest who, uh, performs exorcisms by, you know, reading from a Bible. And you have to type the things that he says. So it gives you little strings to type while it is also a bullet hell shooter. Oh my goodness. I'm watching a trailer for this now. This looks fantastic. It is fantastic. The sprite art is gorgeous. The story is interesting. The characters are cool. And the gameplay is really fun. It is very, very difficult to play. Um, to the point where I, yeah. I would love to find somebody that I could play it co-op with where one person is typing and the other person is moving. Oh, yeah. No, I can totally see why that would be a thing. If you could have two hands on the keyboard to type properly. I mean, if I just had a third hand, it would all be okay. Yeah. But I have, you know, that's that's not how I was built. Yeah, uh, one-handed typing while not looking at the keyboard while also trying to play a bullet hell thing. Yeah. But it's very good. It's, and it is intense. Like, if you want to feel under pressure to yeah. perform... That is because here's the th one of the things is is that if you get hit by a bullet while you're you know holding your book, your book flies off. Yeah. And you have to go collect it again. But if you don't collect it within a very short window of time, you have to restart the string that you were typing from the beginning. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is apparently like six pounds on Steam right yeah, now it's on cheap. sale, and it has a free dem a free demo. So I'm like. Yeah, no, this is going on my I'm going to play this tomorrow list. Yeah, it's it's absolutely six bucks, damn, or six pounds. That's still, yeah, that's yeah, worth it. I don't know what it is in dollars, but yeah, like it's... Like probably ten bucks. Yeah. Yeah, should get Fab. that. Nice. couple indies I want to give some shout outs to is mm. Children of Morta, which I really beamed oh, about. Oh, yeah. Um, very close to making the short list, um, but just wonderful game. And Blasphemous, which was just... Just really terrific. That was another one I backed yeah. and pretty much got what I wanted out of it. Um, gorgeous game. Absolutely gorgeous game. Uses, you know, the old pixel graphics, but really detailed, wonderfully animated visuals there. Is that it? Uh, I played a lot of other indies, but I can't remember them all. I really enjoyed Man of Medan. I played that in co-op. I did too, yeah. I, I had a really fantastic experience playing that in co-op like i feel like it's been out long enough now that i can be slightly more clear about what i really enjoyed um there is a moment in that game where i had a button prompt to kill uh, to attack something very dangerous that was coming at me and i didn't know what my co-op partner was up to and i saw that prompt and went shit and hit a button and killed my co-op one of my co-op companions 
characters. And that was a fantastic moment of, like, talking to the other player afterwards, and this is not a thing that'll happen in every playthrough, we eventually sussed out how we'd made it to that point, and it made so much sense, but we just had these two very different stories and we both completely, like, had very understandable responses to the horror situation we'd been put in. It was, mm, such a good co-op horror thing that happened that wouldn't have happened if I played in solo. I had a conversation with someone the other day where I think that is, if if they ever wanted to, because I know they've got some multiplayer co-op thing in Resident Evil 3, Mm. but a Resident Evil game where they take the idea of the A and the B scenario, like in early games. Mm. So someone would be like, if they did it in Resident Evil 2, someone would be Claire, someone would be Leon, and you have their stories like cross over. But for the most part, the players are playing different games that have some light interaction. I think what Man of Medan did could work really well for a Resident Evil game if one wanted to be more co-op centric. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. Super, super agree. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like Man of Medan, and I think this is one of the few games where it really is in like playing it co-op or not really does have a fundamental impact on how you appreciate it yeah people aren't wrong to have played it the way they played it because no no when you do a cult game like this it's going to be a risk that you can get everyone to get into the perfect situation to play it together it's very rare that i will push you jim to play a game in co-op because i know you don't play you don't like playing with other people so much and you know that's not your thing i like random drop in drop outs but this game does not work for that no but like this was one where i was like you I I fully believe that is the best way to play this yeah. game the first time through. Like Justin and I played it. Like we did it online, so we couldn't see you know no really yeah. too much um, with like voice chat on, and I could just hear him like every few moments just going holy shit, um, jumping at something or other, um, and I had no idea what it was. So I'm there thinking to myself, what the fuck is happening? Like what yeah. terrible thing is happening? And then sometimes I might hear. Well, sorry, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just a really fun experience. It, yeah. it. I'm excited to see what they can do with that. Uh, uh, ha, ha, how do I put this? That co-op setup for a horror game worked really well, given the nature of what the horror experience in Man of Medan was about. I'm very curious to see how that works with a different horror genre setup. So, Yeah. I think that's everything that I can think of that I wanted to mention from this year. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything. There will be something that I'll remember like an hour from now. Oh, God. Like, oh, yeah, no I should have said yeah. that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, this was... It was a good year. This was a year. Yeah. It was a good year release-wise. There was a... I, I, I found it harder to put together the, the shittiest games list than I did the awards, which is usually the other way around. I think I think there's a handful of games this year that really stood out to me as like, I, I can pick out pretty easily the ones that I loved this year. Like, the the stuff this year that stood out to me was Astral Chain, Sayonara Wild Hearts, Disco Elysium, Devil May Cry 5. Um, you know, th- those jumped to mind very easily as some games I had a fantastic time with. Yeah. Control. Oh, oh yeah. Control. Bloody sick. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you fucking got us. Great, great, great fucking game. I mean, you know, if you like Remedy, which I do. Uh, it's not that they can do no wrong, but it'd be really hard for them to do it, I think. And, uh, yeah, so I fucking love that game. Can't wait for the expansion. Yeah. 
re, re, uh, control really grew on me the further I got into it, and yeah. by the by the end of it, like it is up there with my my favorite stuff. Remedy is done. Well, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot like that. You know, we were talking about games making you feel badass thing, and boy, yeah. you know, I was so worried about that platforming until you get <laughs> the levitation. Yes, and yes. it's just like, oh, now I am a god. <laughs> yeah, great, Laurie. You're gonna kick yourself. Yeah, you've so far gone through this entire podcast. Oh my god! I just realized <laughs> mentioning Pokemon Sword and Shield. Yeah, I, I, I know. I've uh, here's the thing. I've brought it up every fucking week, and I know neither <laughs> of you really care about it. So I, I didn't. I got to it in that like big list I was looking at. I was like, I've just done like four games in a row that only I played. Fair really, I didn't want to. I didn't want to give you another twenty minutes of me going on about. I, I don't think Pokemon is necessarily the best game this year but it's undoubtedly the thing i've put most time into um i i am still fucking loving that that gameplay loop um i uh, you know what i've been really enjoying about pokemon recently i've been i found a group of people who i've been really enjoying doing raids with um where we will go and set self uh self made restrictions on how we're going to fight these big raid bosses and we've just been having a lot of fun doing very stupid fights like we did one the other day that was metronome which is just a a move that completely picks a move at random to use so it might be effective it might be nothing um and we were just like yeah we're going to take down this big raid boss only using randomized move sets fuck it we'll see what happens there you go uh i keep finding things in that game to keep me playing so that's the mark of a solid <laughs> game i've got my yeah. my list of gym impressions basically videos i've done on games mm. so i'll go through a couple quickly you know we won't linger um onimusha warlords was remastered at the beginning of the year that was a wonderful treat for me i love onimusha hope they do number two Travis Strikes Again. Yeah. No More Heroes. Mm. I called it Travis Strikes Out. <laughs> yeah, I saw that on the list and I kind of skimmed over it because yeah. that was not good. Not good. But hopefully the 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 new one, you know, No More Heroes 3 yeah. will be what people wanted. Hopefully it will be a No More Heroes game and not just a weirdly repetitive uh, top-down beat-em-up that completely squandered its really cool concept. Yeah. Because its concept was like, hey, go travel to a bunch of different video game worlds. I was like, yeah. Different genres every... No. No. And, oh, collaborations with with indie developers. That'll be how they make all the different genres? No, it's just t-shirts. No. A total missed opportunity. Uh, Left Alive, the phantom pain in the arse. Um, embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing yeah. attempt to be Metal Gear Solid made by people who may have never played Metal Gear Solid. Hypnospace Outlaw was a very unique, oh, yeah. interesting game. I liked that one. Um, Shakedown Hawaii was really cool. Uh, basically a capitalist simulator. Um, I found that very... I, I, I said at the time, it's the kind of game that spoke to me because, you know, I get very frustrated with the business and the industry and and the economic system it's in. And Shakedown Hawaii is a game that says, oh, don't worry, I see it as well. I see the bullshit as well. And now I'm going to make lots of fun of it. So that was good. Uh, Lapis X Labyrinth. Oh! Which yeah. didn't make my final cut for year-end honours, but was still a great game. Yeah. Pure satisfaction in game form. It it was really fun at just... It, it was a non-gambling way of setting off those receptors in your brain that go, Oh, fucking yeah. jackpot, jackpot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it just it hits that, that rush, that high of, of winning in a safe 
environment, you know, one that isn't designed to, to prey on anyone. So that's great. Uh, Void Bastards, the most British roguelike FPS in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, really fun. Really fun game. Um, roguelike, first-person shooter um, with just incredibly British writing. Um, just all about going from ship to ship, uh, looking for things. And really, really fun. Not Not the most polished game in the world, but still enjoyable. Uh, we've got Judgment, uh, the Yakuza spin-off. Oh, yeah. It was basically more Yakuza, and somehow I'm not bored of it yet. They managed to keep bringing me back for it. Um, just, I think, the quality of the side missions and the, the extras, and the fact that the stories are really good, so you're not e- even playing it for gameplay advancement so much as you are for the story, yeah. to, to find out what happens next. And that's difficult for a game to for a game series to do. Um, the Sinking City, still the worst game I've ever liked, question mark. <laughs> so bizarre. Such a bizarre game. If you've not seen much impressions of that, look it up, The Sinking City. Uh, quite a thing. Uh, there was Sea of Solitude. I don't know if mm. it was... It was all right. Mm. Soul Seraph, that was the act raiser follow-up that was a piece of shit that got on my top ten shittiest. Mm. That's... That's a bummer. It really is. It I was... want a good act raiser follow up. Yeah. What this one was was just an infuriating, laggy platformer and then just a bug in basement tower defense. And it was just flitting between those two. Um, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, I didn't care for it very much. I don't know if anyone else played it. No, I, I, it's, it's a series I like too, but I just wasn't. I, the response to it that I read was not enough to draw me in to come out and actually play it. Uh, yeah, it, its biggest problem was just that it didn't make you feel powerful because all of the generic nothing enemies were somehow taking punches to the face from the Hulk and just being like, yeah, we're fine. Yeah, it was very disconcerting to see Venom juggled by nobodies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wolfenstein Youngblood. Woof. I liked it more than others, but it still wasn't great. Yeah, it just, from what I watched, I, it looked cheap, which is not what I expected from Wolfenstein, I guess. I think it's just, it was the concessions they made to justify the live service shit. Um, so enemies started to have, like, these these longer health bars and stuff, mm-hmm. and it just, I think it it didn't feel cheap to play, but I think a lot of the the stuff layered onto it made it look cheap. Uh, certainly tacky. Um, it was okay for what I played of it, but the microtransactions were rubbish, and and it was just it was very bandwagony. It didn't feel like a proper Wolfenstein game. Certainly not the, in line with the new ones. But I did like the protagonists, and I know I'm the only one who did. I liked the the Blazkowicz twins. Hey, I liked him too. Oh, you did as well. Yes, yes, that is yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, I, I was on board with them. It's just you and me though. Um, Remnant from the Ashes. A lot, a lot of people liked it. I no, 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 no thanks. A Blair Witch came out. Yeah, I liked it. It was it's it was only worth playing once, but I did enjoy what I played. Gears Five. <laughs> I just I you know and it's weird too because like the first Gears game, I wasn't interested at all in it. Um, it wasn't something that motivated my acquisition of my Xbox 360. But, uh, right after I, I bought a 360, my friend came over and was like, oh no, you've got to play Gears of War. And from, like, 
two minutes in, I was like, oh, shit, this is a revelation. And now to look at it, it's just like, ugh, just more of this? Okay. That hurts. I liked I liked Gears 5 a lot, um, and I, I really loved the, the arcade mode that was added in. I still can't remember if that's what it's called. But basically the one that took the shotguns away. Now that I could get into. I could get into an arcade mode. That that appeals to me. It was arcades multiplayer. Oh, well then never mind. Yeah, it was more like a hero shooter. I don't even remember if it was actually called arcade mode, but now I see where I may have misled you. Like I I'd love to do a I I could see myself having fun with a wave-based shooter using oh, they've got that. those mechanics, you know, as a single player. That's horde know? mode. Yeah. I could I can see myself still enjoying that single player, but it's so focused on playing with other people oh, and yeah. just don't have friends. <laughs> uh, Greedfall, a bit of poison on my blade, and let's go! Did either of you play Greedfall? No. No. Uh, I need to put more time into it. It was... <laughs> it's 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 on that list of I, I want to come back to it in the end of year. Very much like a, a Focus Home Interactive level game. It, it's, it scratches an itch that people might have where other companies have abandoned it, this one being sort of Bioware-style games. A lot of... And that might be why it didn't quite land with me as much as other games have. Um, Because, like, a good Bioware game is good to me, but the general Bioware formula is not something I actively seek. Right. Um, It's not quite my, my, my... It's not my preferred speed setting for an RPG. So, uh... A, a, a quick fix version of it is is not going to jump out at me. Uh, Borderlands Three briefly mentioned it earlier. It was fine. Yeah. It was it was enjoyable. Um, I liked that in a sea of cosmetic microtransactions, the you could just earn cosmetics in the game. You could just pick them up as yeah. loot, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. Um, the Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening, which I thought was old school to a fault. Yeah. I, I somewhat agree with you. I love the art style. I love the remastered music. I love that game in its original form for being unapologetically weird. But yeah, I I think that it is a game that definitely could have benefited from some modernization. Like the the original is like from narrative standpoint and and yes, just being downright weird. It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite Zelda game. But uh, I don't know that a repeat of it was necessary. Yeah. And and I I did not have the same reaction to the visuals that you did. Like, it, it didn't appeal to me. Uh, it didn't look bad. It was clear that, you know, they were, they went yeah. to an effort to make everything feel consistent and unified and all in this, you know, sort of simple 3d model stuff and it's cute but it it didn't make me want to play it i i actively liked the art and i think that this is definitely a better version to play than the original if you're gonna play it today because it's got quality of life stuff like being able to have your sword and your shield equipped and jump and not have to swap the jump onto a button separately like it is undoubtedly a better version of the game, but also it's aged a lot. Yeah. Um, 
Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. Oh, yeah. Moving on. There's only <laughs> one more to mention. Um, only one more big one to mention, which would be uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which oh, was yeah. janky and didn't and and really should have spent more time copying Devil May Cry than Dark Souls. But yeah. I still enjoyed it a fair bit. I I deliberately saved it until this week, like this week off I've taken around uh, Christmas New Year, and uh, I'm having fun with it. And I think like a certain degree of that is because I didn't try and play it for work and have to have critical opinions of it. Um, I've just been having fun with it as a kind of mindless Star Warsy game, and it's all right for that. This has filled the spot that like a year ago I spent playing a week of of Spider Man. It's just yeah, it's fine. It does its job. So- something fun and uh, fun to play that I don't have to think about too much. And there we go. And one thing I have to point out. No, Fallout 76 did not release this year. <laughs> it's just had so many fuck-ups this year, it feels like it's been released every single day of the year. It came out at the end of last year. A lot of people like making jokes about it being on my best games of the year, and then in the following week made were anticipating and looking forward to it being on this year's top 10 shittiest games of 20. <laughs> it was last year that that was a thing. Um but it's been a heck of a year. I, I won't do the year in Fallout 76 fuck-ups because we'll be here for another podcast like you, you know what award we can give it right here and now? Um, Worst ongoing game of the year. Absolutely. The worst game this year that was... The, the, yeah, like a, an ongoing game that was existed this year, this is the worst. But best ongoing game is pointing and laughing at Fallout 76. <laughs> like, never has a game gone on this long that I've still been so interested in. I've never covered a game for an entire year after launch. I get bored and move on. But Fallout 76, I feel <laughs> almost compelled because nothing else can highlight how absurd Bethesda is and how ridiculous and worthy of mockery it is as a company. Then by logging, and I don't even do it comprehensively, I only pick the the m- most amusing ones to me. But when you have a big playlist of it, it A, says that Bethesda is constantly fucking up more than anyone else, and B, that I really need to find more material. <laughs> Those are the two things. Oh. Should we wrap this up here for, for 2019? I'm good for wrapping this up, you know? Um, I think we did it. We did it. Yeah. Next week we'll have a new year to to yep. look forward to. Hey, tell you what, right? Tell you what, tell you what, tell you what, right, what, right, right, what, right, right. What, 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 what? I'll see you folks next decade. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Hey, hey, hey. I don't know what I'll be doing in a few days. I don't have 2020 vision. You got one for us, comrade? No, I'm not contributing to this. This is, uh, I, I feel like I've already won if I don't play. <laughs> Wait, that one's not funny, Conrad. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, the only thing, well, first of all, I will say genuinely uh, a happy new year tidings to you, Conrad. A uh, happy new year to you, Jim. A happy new year tidings to you, Laura. Thank you. Happy New Year's to both you and uh, you, Jim, and you, Conrad. What a happy New Year to you, Laura. Oh, thank you. And and also for me, it is 
Happy Happy birthday boy. Yeah, that's it. Happy birthday boy. Happy birthday boy. Little little birthday boy. Little little birthday boy. New Year baby Sterling. Little birthday boy. Don't you fucking forget it. We'll put a little hat on you and a half candles. So And nothing else. Oh, it'd be lovely. Um Thank you everyone who's listening for another year of allowing me to have a job. Um that's really nice. Um, thank you for still liking this. Thank you yeah. for still liking this podcast, for still listening, um, despite everything we've done to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy to have you all on board, and hopefully another, I was going to say another good decade of business, but I'm not going to be that hopeful. Well, and was it? Like, was it that good? <laughs> like, no, I mean, it's been successful for uh, us. It's worked out for us. Yeah, I, I was speaking, On a micro level. Yeah, on a here's to another micro level. Again, I won't say decade. <laughs> another micro level good year. Um, and here, for everything else on the macro, here's to... Let's just uh, all hold each other. Yeah. Here's to, here's to clinging on to each other. Even if the world right now is only good, not perfect, we can be perfect, not good to each other. Oh, that wow. that does it, that could be on a t-shirt. <laughs> that could be on a t-shirt. Um, so yeah, genuinely thank thank you to everyone. Um, it's it's been a pleasure, and hopefully we'll continue to be one. Um, but until next time, until next decade, twenty twenty. Uh, Laura, can you tell people where they can find all of your lovely things? Laura K. Buzz, all of the places. LauraKBuzz.com, that's where all the links are. Laura K. Buzz on Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. That's the important ones. Go to LauraKBuzz.com and find all of the pieces of media of all the types that I do. There's podcasts, there's written stuff, there's videos, it all ends up there. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, whatever. Uh, I've got books. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, that's coming out in October 2020. Uncomfortable Labels, that is out now as a physical book and as an audio book. Uh, that's that's the main ones. I'm on Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Comrades on it too. Yeah, I am. I'm on that Dice Funk. And, and Laura's really good on it. Like, really good on it. And this season, she's really good on it. And I will not brook any criticism of Laura's performance on this season of, of Dice this, Funk. This season's been a lot for me. I've been playing a terrible gamer gnome, and it's been a lot. <laughs> it has been excellent. So you can go check that out. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Conrad Zimmerman. You can buy anti-establishment accessories that I make at pinfultruth.com, P-I-N-F-U-L-T-R-U-T-H.com. You can also buy my audiobooks, including the uh, Communist Manifesto that I put out last month and continues to sell. Well, thank you, everybody, who's buying that. You can get all of that stuff at Conrad radreads.com and I do some other podcasts as well. I do Of Horse, a BoJack Horseman fan cast I, uh, where I talk about BoJack Horseman with a couple of lovely people. Uh, I do Boston's Favorite Son, which is a comedy podcast that I do with Mr. Jim Sterling. Hello. Uh, as, as well as a, a movie-based podcast called The Spinoff Doctors that we do together and we, we should record a new episode for that. I think, I think we have plans for New Year's that are a little special. Yeah, we might... We might do something ahead of Detective Pikachu, but I will let people know what it is on social media and stuff in case you want to watch it first. Mm. Yeah, we won't we won't trick you this time. Yeah, we <laughs> we want to do a you know a little treat for because we did it last year with Treasure of the Four Crowns. So we'll, I'd like to do a non-game movie a year. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so we'll do that. And uh, other than that, I think I think that's ev- oh, I'm streaming now too. You can find me on Twitch on Twitch.tv. That Conrad Zimmerman is where you can find me on the Twitch. Where and so you know all of these weird ass games. Not Disney's that darn Conrad Zimmerman, which is a different thing. Totally different yeah. thing. Go. Go watch those streams, they're good. You know, there was weird, I play the weird stuff that I talk about on this show that's no. not the things everybody else is playing. So if you want to see some weird shit, come see me. I saw you play that firefighter game. Oh yeah, Flame Over. I love that game. Criminally underrepresented. I think really people should check that out. It's a lot of fun. It's a roguelike firefighter game. I think it's on, I know it's on Vita. I think there might be cross-platform PS4 as well, and it's on Steam. You should check that out. Um, and, uh, yeah, see, I, I do lots of things with Jim, who also streams and has a Patreon. Yeah! Yeah! Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Thank you so much for the support over the year. And I'm going to I'm gonna have to stop, like, expressing my, my grateful um, happiness that people have sort of really helped it stay stable this year. Because, and I've seen the exit surveys, when I say that, people think, oh, he's doing stable, I don't have to put any in, and then they go away. <laughs> and the problem is, is every if every, like, you do that if you want, but if everyone does, then... I, yeah. It's no be, longer stable. Yeah, I'll be living in a river. But your continued support is why it's stable. Yes. I... I will say, as someone who is currently experiencing the post-Christmas uh, Patreon dip that happens, um, if you enjoy my stuff, uh, <laughs> if you enjoy my stuff and want to want to support that, please consider a dollar a month or more if you want on Patreon at Laura K Buzz. Because, and that's another thing. Like you hear people. People say all the time that dollar a month really at no, it literally is the reason that these things function. Yes. No, the reason I get to do this as a job is is because of that, and uh, this time of year it always takes. A, and like, no, no shame if you if you have to back out at this time of year. Totally get it. Oh, yeah. But it happens, and uh, it is a good idea. It's, it's a good time if you can. If you can stick around, if you can stick around, now's the time to do it. If you can stick around, or if you can join, now's a good time. Yeah, yeah. it's that time of year where we sort of—it's this, and then basically this until tax season. We got to get our hustle on. Yeah. Um. But anyway, really, really grateful for any of that support. It helps me, you know, keep the show going, pay people, which is always nice to be able to do. Um. And yeah, uh, the only other thing I'll say is, well, first of all, if my back cooperates, I should be at Rise on January the 10th um, in Pittsburgh at the Rise Stronghold. And also check out the top 10 shittiest games of 2019. That went up this week. Um, it's good. And yeah, it's. I like to think it's it's brimming with entertaining things, not just the, the entries, but a lot of fun stuff. Um, Justin did one of his creepy facial animation things with the Frank Langella um, Skeletor while I sung in the Skeletor voice, Toss a Coin to your Witcher. So that's upsetting for you to have to look at. Um, the eyes bore a hole through your soul like the, the Jesus figure in Carrie. Uh, and that's it. That's it. Thank you so much for listening uh, for the whole year and Basically, I've been going longer than a decade now. The 2010s were the decade where I really did everything. So the 2020s will be the inevitable slide downhill. Yeah. So I hope you're with me for that as well um, as I descend into, you know... Look, you climb the hill so that you can sled down it, right? Yeah, yeah that's the thing. Like, like they, they talk about downfalls like they're bad, but 
down and fall work so well together. You can't have one without the other. So it's synergy in it. Uh, that's it. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.